Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Fighting the Downturn Silence. In today's cast, we describe how to combat the normal tendency of directs to communicate less during a downturn. Before we go on, though, I just wanted to warn you that, yes, the dreaded echo is back in my voice. We pulled this recording from a while ago, and yeah, it's still there. But I think this will be the last time you hear it. So with that apology, here we go with the show. You know, during economic downturns, which um, we're in, right? bosses get upset because our directs just, they just don't communicate to us enough. Yeah. You know, they, they, they hunker down, they're quiet, they're sullen. How are we supposed to manage under conditions like that? I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, all this fog of war around us externally, and then internally we've got more fog of war, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the big one for me is that they're afraid to disagree. That is really, and we're going to do an additional cast on their fear of disagreement. How, you know, it, it's, it's a bit like the road to Abilene here. Everyone's afraid to disagree and you end up having a bad experience. You know, all joking aside, I mean, these are fairly natural human responses to known and unknown stresses, both internal and external, right? I mean, this, sure, this, yeah. is, this is nothing unusual. Yeah. I, you know, look, if, if people fear the changes they don't know are coming, Right. There are some people who are sitting next to you right now or listening to this podcast. They fear changes that they know are coming. Imagine what it's like that they they don't know what changes are coming, but they know changes coming. Imagine how much fear they have for that. It's rational for them. OK, they're not then going to introduce more change into their portion of the universe by disagreeing or suggesting different ways of doing things. They'd rather stick to the things that apparently six months ago made us profitable. Why should we change those things? Let's not do that. That'll make create too many moving parts. Like you said, they're going to hunker down. They're going to panic, frankly. I mean, that, that's my sense. There, there is a form of professional panic that people go through in downturns, which shuts down their interest in communicating about elements of risk or disagreement or change or areas of uncertainty. And you wouldn't say they're panicked, but it is a form of professional panic because everyone knows we must communicate with one another to be effective. Right. Communication is one of the bits of grease that we use to allow us to function well together in organizations. And when and that shuts down, things start working less well. Right. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes they, they panic and sometimes they they're sullen. And, and sometimes it's just you're, you're, you're sitting in a conference room and you ask a question or you ask somebody to do something and they just give you that, you know, fine. Yeah. Right? You, you know, they're not fine, but they, 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 they say fine. And, uh, I've seen folks literally uh, be asked something, uh, a question by their boss, and they just sit there, lean back, and cross their arms and stare at their boss. Yeah, that's that's pretty bold. It's pretty bold. But you can feel bold. You can feel emboldened if, in fact, you're protecting your piece of turf and your piece of turf is in question, right? Right. And I think probably, you know, when you introduce the cast, um, you use some pretty strong language. You said how to combat the normal tendency of people to communicate less frequently. And, and that's the word we intended to use. It's our job as managers to communicate. It's our most frequently used manager tool, overall anyway. And to have it attenuated, to have it reduce, thereby reduces our effectiveness. There's no way around that. As managers, we need some simple things that we can do to pry open the lines of communication because without those lines of communication, we're going to be less efficient, less effective. We make no bones about it. Pry, we will. Okay. So 
what's the crowbar we're going to use here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For we we have six recommendations. Actually, I'm sorry. We have five recommendations and one false recommendation that a bunch of people will recommend. And we, it's number six. We call it the secret bad idea. Everyone suggested it's just dead wrong. Don't do it. The first five are. As you're working, produce plans earlier, share more drafts, and expect the input you get from people to take longer. That's a way to increase the communication between us and our directs. Second, we need to decrease our communication during meetings, and we will suggest some ways to do that. We need to ask more questions directly, and there's a secret to doing that. Hopefully, everybody can figure that out, but we'll share it nonetheless. We need to provide feedback on communications. Fe- communication is a, is, is a behavior. Shoot, it's four, if not five, of the five behaviors we talk about. Uh, we need to talk to people about why, you know, what happens when they communicate less. And we definitely need to end our one-on-ones, which were invented to create communication and relationships and trust. Uh, we need to end them with more questions. And, of course, we'll finish with the secret bad idea. And I wanted to mention one more thing. This is not a completely exhaustive list. It's rather really a shorter list of things that almost any manager who's listening can do right now. The longer the list, the greater the choices, the chances that many of us would balk or say, well, I can't do all of that. You don't have to do all this. You can do one or two and see whether or not it works and then add a couple of more as you get comfortable all over time trying to give yourself more. You're engaging in behavior to increase the amount of communication. If you do X and you get more communication, do more of X until it plateaus and then do Y based on this list and then do Z if you get better results with that. You can do all of this now and you can watch communication quantity and then therefore quality uh, improve quickly. So I just wanted to add that caveat. Yeah, good point. You know, it's pretty simple. If, if we want more communication from our directs during a downturn, and uh, we most and we do, we do. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. We want it, and they don't want to do it. And there's nothing wrong with us wanting it and them not wanting to do it, right? It's okay. We understand why people are drawn in, and yet we have a disconnect. Right. Whereas and six months ago, they don't want it doesn't mean we don't we don't get it either. So we're going to have yeah. to, you know, we got to be willing to demand it. We got to right. ask for it, beg for it, encourage it, reward it, cajole it, whatever. We've got to do all of that to get this. And and one of the one of the things that we can do is produce plans earlier, share more drafts, and then expect the input to take longer. Right. As much uncertainty as is out there externally when during a downturn, if you have less communications, you're going to get greater uncertainty internally, and that's not a good plan. And so, look, when we're working on planning, right, we're going to be working on projects. We're going to be asked to change things by our boss, to reduce uh, uh, throughput times, to change processes, eliminate work, reduce steps, and so on. All that's normal. If you're thinking, gosh, I wonder, do they do this every time? Yes, they do this every time. Can we make our customer service pro- process three weeks shorter, or can we make it seven or eight percent shorter? Because you may not understand why, but if we do it seven or eight percent shorter, they start paying us seven or eight percent sooner. And we get to, even if we have to spend the money, if we don't have to spend the money, we earn some money on the money they pay us for seven or eight percent longer period of time than, than uh, even though that math doesn't work exactly right, if we have the money sooner. So look, you're going to have to plan new ways of doing things in a market where we can't assume we're going to be profitable based on a normal set of of behaviors, processes, uh, policies, and outcomes, okay? You totally know. Look, if you're a manager, you totally know this feeling. You're sitting in your boss's staff meeting, and you're being told, okay, we need to do X. And you're thinking, okay, that makes sense, but 
you know, geez, holy guacamole, Batman. I mean, it, it, it's not, it, it sounds easy, right? It, of course, it always sounds easy for the person who's not going to have to do it. Right. What's that Dilbert cartoon where the pointy haired boss says, I need you to do something for me. It shouldn't be that big a deal. And I think the cat, the, the punchline was build a worldwide secure satellite communication system. And the budget was $11 and the time was three days or something. You know, the fact that it sounds easy doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But the fact is some of us, many of us have had this happen and we dread going back to our desk and having to sit down and preparing a briefing on what's going to happen and how we're going to make it happen and how we need input. We can't just make it up or we can make it up in our head, but that means the people who are actually going to do it didn't have any input into the process. And that means the process is going to be less efficient. So what happens is during the downturn, you know, we're told, you know, you got to work fast. You got to work fast. We got to speed things up and so on. We come back to our desk. We throw something together. We brief it to our team with this tone of, this is what we're going to do, folks. This is how we're going to do it. I got it all figured out. Follow my lead. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, you know, jump on. The train's already left the station kind of thing. Yeah, well, that, that, that's exactly what contributes to the lack of communication. Right? Yeah, exactly. Why would any of our directs want to give us input after having heard that? <laughs> yeah, they know we can't. In fact, they know we came out of a meeting with the boss, right? And they're like, oh, okay. In fact, when we do that, we're partially to blame by the dec- for the decreased communications, right? So... How do we modify our behavior? Because we're not just going to tell people, hey, you know, it's a downturn and I know you're not going to talk to me as much, so you have to talk more. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Right? We have to modify our behavior without reducing the speed too much so that we can create, recreate some of the communication that we need to make sure we're on the right track. That's what we need to do. Yeah. So, so what can we do differently? Okay, so so look, you, you come out of the boss's meeting, you got to change something. Or you're not even in the boss's meeting, you look and say, man, there's got to be a way we can take a week out of this four-week process. Let's see if we can't be creative. And if we take a week out of it, that's 25% you know, faster throughput, and th- that could make a difference to the internal or external customer in some way. So we've broken this down into three steps, which is week one, draft. We create a draft and we ask for input. And what we mean here is that rather than coming back to our desk and creating a completed plan, rather than briefing that finished plan and saying, this is the plan, we put together, let's just give an example. Rather than coming up with a complete plan with 10 slides all done, lock, stock, and barrel, we put together six skeleton slides. We may have in our head the 10 that we want, but we put together six skeleton slides. We brief the team and we tell our team, look, this is a draft. I need some help, but I wanted to get this to you fast rather than thinking I could get it all right, all at once, sitting in my office alone at my desk. I need your input because you guys are going to be affected by this. What you do, what we do is we schedule time on our staff meeting agenda for the briefing, but we shorten what we would normally do for a briefing like this. And we do the skeleton, rather they do the six versus the 10 and We shorten it so that we have to move quickly through it. People won't understand it quite as much. Yes, people do this all the time at the executive level, folks. They move quickly through things, not necessarily because they're unprepared, but because they want people to be asking questions to get input along the way. And again, it's going to create more opportunity for questions if for no other reason than at the end, if you normally have 20 minutes for this and it takes you 10 to brief it, you have time for 10 minutes worth of questions for input for exchange. And by the way, we're going to talk about direct questions of people and praising them for what they do uh, or giving them feedback for communications in a minute. Yeah, can, um, I, can I stop you there real quick? Yeah, sure. I'll tell you, I mean, after having listened to this, this just seems completely counter to, frankly, the way 
I would probably naturally do it. I, just, <laughs> I, I see dude, you coming. Dude, I just got out of my boss's office. He, he says we got to move fast. I'm going to go back to my desk. I'm going to put the deck together. I'm going to go yeah, to my team are. and say, here you go. Let's do it. Are you on yeah. board or not? Yeah, good. Good. Because that kind of behavior will increase communication, right? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I th- yeah, I think we're going to have to go ahead and <laughs> uh, look, don't pass out if you're a high D or a high C or like Mike, both. <laughs> we know you guys want to go fast. And we know, frankly, there's a part of you that said, look, if they just showed up. And what is that? Well, I, I've quoted this guy before. I still don't know who said it. Somebody tell me, send me an email and tell me who said it. The American movie director who said, actors are always come up to me and tell me what they think. I really don't require my actors to think. I require them to move their mouths when and how I tell them to, right? That's the classic high D director kind of thing. We we know that part of you wants to ram it down your folks' throat because it takes it's faster that way. Not, and that not way they part won't, of me. Every fiber yeah, of yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not only is it faster, but they won't taste bad if you just ram it right down their throat. Yeah, there you go. Um, and frankly, when you look at your plans, Mike, you look at them and you say, that's a good plan, don't you? As soon as you're done? Sure, after, after having reviewed all 50 pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So look, and, and the high C's probably say, you know, I, yeah, to your point, about 50 pages, you're like, well, I could cut out one or two and maybe then I, maybe they'll figure out which one or two I want them to add back in so we can be perfect again. Um, but look, the problem with that is, and we've talked about this, we've probably alluded to this 50 times in CAS over the years. Um, do you want to indulge your normal style, which so many people do? as managers and as directs, and essentially go fast and then shut down communication? Or do you want to think about being effective in the new environment? And as high an I and as low a C as I am, I think I have the lowest C on record ever. I'm kidding, but it's mostly true. I am willing to create 20 slides that are perfect with notes if that's what the audience needs. And the high D's and the high C's in the room uh, uh, who are listening ought to be willing to cut slides out, leave some blank spots, leave some holes that allow your directs to fill them in. Because the problem of lack of communication is far worse than the lack of a perfect plan in two days on this particular project. Because the lack of communication is going to affect every other project. And this project is only one of many. Right. And just for those, and we apologize, we do this too much and, and it's bad, but for those of you who are not familiar with the DISC profile, when we say high Ds, we just oh, mean yeah. your hard-charging, general patent, take take no prisoners type right. of managers. And yeah, if, somebody, are, if, you want somebody, if you want somebody's opinion, you'll give it to them. That's a high D, right? Exactly. And then high yeah. Cs are those folks who are engineers, IT folks, people who Perfectionists. Perfectionists, yeah. right? Accountants. The perfectionist yeah. person who wants to have a 50-page plan, 50 plan like me. Yeah. And for those of you who are in the IT world, we would be willing to bat, just based on our experience, 70% of the people around you in your IT department are high Ds and or high Cs. They're either high Ds, high Cs, or both. They tend to focus on the task and they tend to want either very, very fast and do it my way, or they want perfection, perfection, perfection. Please give me more data. Ready, aim, 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 aim. I'll fire and as soon as I get a few more aims in there. Both of them are inherently not well prepared for this kind of faster, a little bit less pure slide presentation or presentation in general or project plan that requires input from their directs. And yet, remember, this is week one. It's a draft. We don't have to come up with the final product. 
And I'll tell you what the high C's will do. They'll create something perfect and then they'll be proud of it. And they say, oh, I just threw this together. That's not what we mean by saying, I, this is just a draft and have it be perfect in every way, shape or form. Leave stuff out. Ask for input. Once you ask for input, wait after you ask. Allow people to take time to answer. Don't make all your darn questions rhetorical, which is what so many people do. And another thing, very helpful behavior, write down anything they tell you and incorporate it as best you can, including praising people and and asking people by name for their thoughts, which again, we'll talk about in a little bit. That's the first meeting. The second meeting, weeks one through, private input. So what we're talking about here is after staff meeting, we're going to go have a one-on-ones with our folks. One right. Would hope least, e- e- right? Each one. Yeah. Yeah. And then during those one-on-ones, we're going to have the slides we presented. We're going to have those drafts we presented to them. And then we're going to ask them early on during our portion of the one-on-one. Right. A couple questions. Like, right. We're going to say, hey, look, I've got the slides and I'd like your input. And I got some questions. Yeah. Like what additional thoughts do you have? Or mm-hmm. do you see any holes in the plan? Or where can we make this better? What can we do differently? What does this mean you have to do or change? Is that going to work? We're really trying to, to mix in a bunch of open and closed questions so that we just, you know, we don't want to give them a bunch of yes or no questions, right? Um, right. And we didn't stop at just one question. We're asking them a number of questions trying to get them to contribute their ideas to the presentation or this plan we're putting together. And for those of you who really want to be clever, who really want to be smart, you'll write down these four questions. You'll ask them of everyone so you can compare people's data across different one-on-ones. And when you ask these questions, I think about it. Those of you who are managers, managers, and you use one-on-ones, you use feedback, you use coaching, you delegate and so on. You believe in the concept of relationship building and, and, and high effectiveness, high ethical professionalism as a manager. You believe it's a great thing to be a manager. It can be if you do it well. Then ask yourself, what would you do if a bunch of your directs sat there like bumps on logs when you asked them these questions? Wouldn't that give you, if you knew these are the questions you're going to ask and these are reasonable and legitimate questions for which you are prepared and it's reasonable to assume they would be prepared, they should be, or it's reasonable to assume that they would be prepared to discuss this since they've been briefed on it. And you mentioned, hey, we'll be talking about this further. What would you what would be a reasonable course of action if they sat there and simply didn't give you any answers? It'd be time for feedback, wouldn't it? That's why we suggest this here in part. So you'll have a chance to give them feedback later. And speaking of feedback, for anybody who attended the meeting, who said anything at the meeting, privately praise them or give them positive feedback. They're slightly different, praise and positive feedback. Praise them or give them positive feedback for what they did in the meeting. If you want to change communications behaviors in a downturn, you must change the way you you reward, you, the way you incent people for their behaviors. If they're doing what you want, give them positive praise, positive feedback. If they're not doing what you want, give them negative feedback. Good. Okay. And, and then in weeks two to three, we issue the final draft. And if we, if we can, after we get input from our folks during our one-on-ones, we incorporate that, that feedback and input into our plan and we prepare a final draft. Now, it's critical that the document is different because as we brief it, we want to be able to point out the input and the change we made as a result of the input we got from the attendees there. And look smart. Yeah. And look all you smarty pants out there. You got nothing on me. I like putting together a briefing that people look and go, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> Where do you learn that? Right. It doesn't matter how much you can do all by yourself. Leave stuff out that you know. 
in the first week. Ask for input and see if anybody catches it. If they don't catch it, you can add it back in in week three, but probably some of your people will catch it and then you'll be able to tell them, hey, nice job. Thank you very much. It only added a couple of days. Yeah, we know you want to impress your people, but really seriously, you want to impress your directs? The way you impress your directs is by figuring out how to get more communication out of them when they're scared and showing them that they can trust you to be open with them. Then the next time there's a downturn, they'll look to you and say, okay, we know it's here. What do we do? Let's run, let's run the playbook. Yeah, exactly. And also notice that we called this a final draft. We didn't call it the final, the right, final, right. Or the final point, plan. Yeah. It's draft. However final it is, if it's a big project, you can do another round of public and private input. If not, you can ask for final input and then make the changes then and there and then move right into an implementation discussion. The point is we continue, we want to continue to get input from folks incorporate their ideas. Therefore, they own the plan. Yeah. And look, folks, if you're under the age of 25, 26, 27, 28, I don't know, somewhere half my age, something like that, then let, let me just tell you something. For the rest of your career, you will be handed draft documents and you'll be told this is the plan. And you'll there's a part of you that'll be like, well, that's only a draft. And they'll be like, yeah, dude, we were in the meeting. It was a draft. And everybody said, yeah, I like that one. Let's do it. We don't need to reprint it and say, cross out draft and put final. If you want to put final in front of draft and have it a final draft, fine. But don't think that we, that, that a draft is really something that's going to be marked up 10% more and then it's going to be created final and then it's going to go to the printers and it's going to come back to us like some congressional budget thing in the United States. Okay. We work off of final drafts or even rough drafts all the time. If we think we can get speed and we're not worried about a 5% fallout rate. Now we don't do this if we're testing nuclear isotopes. Okay, but most of us don't do that every day. Okay, if you're messing with radioactive waste, we waste. We encourage you have a perfect plan and go through 30 drafts. But other than that, you're going to be working off a draft. So in week three, or it may actually happen in week two, once you come to your, if you move quickly in week two, the final draft is in fact your plan. You might modify it on the fly, and there's nothing wrong with making marks on a on a on a PowerPoint, five or six or 10 pages, making, you know, crossing things out, changing them and saying, say to your admin, Hey, Bob, will you please go make copies of this, distribute it out to everybody. And let's make sure we follow this is the plan. And this is, the, this is the game plan. And we're running it starting now. Too many folks say, okay, this is a draft. And I had actually somebody a few months ago asked me, Mark, this is a draft. Now, are we going to use this or do we need to have another round of stuff? <laughs> I said, get busy, man. Go, go. And so our first first point point was produce produce plans plans earlier, share more drafts, get more input, and expect the process to take a little bit longer. Can I interject here again? I know you're going to kill me afterwards for interjecting all the time, but I I really like this show. We didn't say it in the beginning, I don't think. I don't remember saying it. If you said it, then I I apologize. And that is produce plans earlier. We didn't say don't take two weeks to produce your draft. If your boss gives you something on Tuesday, put something together by your Thursday staff meeting. If you get something by Thursday, don't wait until the following Thursday. Schedule a meeting and deliver your draft on Monday. Don't wait two weeks and miss two staff meetings or or two sets of one-on-ones in order to do this. Uh, Get it done in a week. And and this this one one floors me every time because we're talking about improving communications and creating more communications, but you're going to talk about decreasing our communications during meetings. Yeah, of course. I I didn't provide the right emphasis because I should say decrease our communication during meetings. I'll tell you what, though. Of course, when you think about it, we decrease our communication. What what I should have written was we decrease our uttering, our speaking. We actually increase our communication because communication is what the listener does. Single biggest mistake that managers make during downturns. Everybody else gets quiet. We feel they're wanting more from us. 
And of course they are, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily need to speak up. So we fill up the dead space and not necessarily with quality. Frankly, I see that a lot, that, that the quantity goes up sometime for managers, but not necessarily the quality. Uh, so be quiet. Wait an extra second. You high Ds and high Is, tough cookies. Wait. Bite your tongue until it bleeds. You Ss and Cs, well, luckily, you just get to be you and you know wait, and everybody will talk, and they won't even know you're there. Lean back if you have to. Do what Skype does, which I love. Skype recommends take a deep breath, right? Take a deep breath. We, we've recommended before the one breath rule to slow down, to keep from interrupting. Finish the breath you're breathing before you respond to what somebody else is saying. This will increase the amount of communication you get because if you think you're talking right when somebody's done, they think you're talking before they're done. And so they will start shortening what they're saying. And now's not the time for them to be thinking about shortening what they're saying. Speaking of shortening, shortening the length of your presentation. When you think to comment, ask others what they think first. More than that, ask, ask more, more questions, questions directly. directly. I mean, this can be a follow-on to the meetings discussion because we certainly use that technique in meetings as well. But rather than always having a point of view, in a downturn, wait to give it until after others have spoken. And then if they don't speak up, just ask them directly. Hey, Anna, what do you think about what Will said? Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, Will, do you agree with Bernie's approach? Ask them very specific questions. Yeah, and, and, and listen to this. Listen, when you say, you know, you, you use the example, Anna, what do you think about what Will said? What is the most important word in that question? I'm going to just say it again. Anna, what do you think about what Will said? What's the most important word in that question? And what really makes it a direct question? Her name, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The use of a person's name makes that question as direct as it can be and increases the likelihood that they will feel obligated to answer as opposed to figuring out some reason for not answering. And you may not want to chastise them in front of everybody else, and so they get away with it. Is it reasonable to expect answers from these questions. Is it reasonable to demand that of folks? Yeah, I think that's like the $64,000 question. And I got to tell you, I think a lot of people struggle with the manager tools approach of we love our directs, we care. Management is an ethical responsibility. And if you're not willing to express love in the workplace, you got no business being a manager. Being a manager is not about power. Yeah, you have more, although it's not as much as you might think. Being a manager is about respecting others and expressing love, literally professional love in the workplace. And and they can't really balance the fact that we say all those things and the fact that we say, and you can produce an edge at times and expect the edge to work because the workplace is not about you. It's not about your lovely directs. It is about achieving profits for the company. We work for the company and not for our team. We love our team. We work for the company. What do we do when somebody doesn't respond at all, or at least not terribly effectively? And listen, folks, I guarantee if you start using this direct method, when you say, Anna, what do you think about what Will just said? You'll probably discover a lot of people. You, you, if you don't do this now, you're going to discover all of a sudden that a lot of people start answering your question first by looking up from their PDA and their apparent cone of invisibility. And they're sort of saying, huh, can, can you repeat the question? So, okay, look, what do we do when they don't respond at all? Two things. First pause. Give them time to answer. You don't have to wait 10 seconds. Five seconds is appropriate. Now, you've waited, you paused, you didn't get a good response, or you got some response that was lame, or you got no response at all. 
you know, uh, 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 let me find it. I got to go to my notes or whatever. And after a few seconds, like, okay, he's stalling. Okay. We don't get what we want. During the next one-on-one, we share with this person some negative feedback. Hey, can I give you some feedback? When you don't respond quickly and directly several times in a meeting, like during this question and this question and this question, I get the impression you're not staying focused. Can you respond differently in the future? Thank you. I want to be clear about this. For those of us who don't want to put people on the spot in a situation like this, you're absolutely, utterly, completely dead wrong. We can't disagree with you more stridently. To suggest that we can tolerate no or or very little communication from some of our directs, especially during a downturn where risks are greater, simply because we fear upsetting them, that is putting the emotional needs of the one above the legitimate professional needs of the many and therefore of the organization. There are no jobs we know of that require meeting attendance without a concomitant expectation of open communication. None. Okay, most meeting communication isn't as open as it could be. And during downturns, it can be funereal in there. I mean, it's, it's bad. It's ineffective. It's unprofessional. And if it's our meeting, we are responsible for the outcome. And that means being willing to introduce some encouragement, some goads, some polite suggestions that perhaps there will be future negative feedback for those people who are not willing to open up. You don't get to come to a meeting, engage in a pity party privately about whether or not you're going to get to keep your job and not contribute. You don't. First of all, you can't call yourself a leader if you do that. But secondly, you're not contributing to the organization. Yeah, well, let's yeah, go even further than, than, than that. that. Let's, let's let's make, make a, a point, point of this, and we'll just call this point four in this podcast, which is you need to provide feedback to folks on communications. Yeah, but what's funny about that is when you ask about the five bits of feed, five uh, uh, forms of behavior that um, we think you should focus on when giving feedback, they're all <laughs> potentially communication, right? Communication is our most frequent behavior. So feedback about communication has to be a given. If you cut that out, you're cutting out a big part of your folks. And frankly, what do we hear when somebody gets promoted? She's a great communicator. Oh, okay. Maybe if we want other people to get promoted, the people who aren't great communicators, we should give them feedback about their communication so they can get a chance to get promoted. Yeah, it's fascinating how many people uh, don't think of communication as behavior. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. And, And look, whether we're good at giving feedback about it, when it changes and those changes hurt our team and those people communicate less and that hurts the team, now we're obligated to talk about it because now we're affecting the output of the organization, our organization, our sub-organization. In a way, now it's not just the words. It's not just how we say the words. It's not just the facial expressions. It's not just the body language. Now a person's communication is, in fact, related closely enough that it is work product. I mean, seriously, think of it this way. Less frequent communications can essentially involve all five of the behaviors we think of when we're giving feedback to somebody. And that, to me, that's a wow. And and it's absolutely in the wheelhouse of any manager who's willing to give feedback. Now, there are managers who are listening going, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do feedback, but I really don't like it. Okay. And if you want to know how to solve this problem about how to fight the downturn silence, one of the ways you do it is with feedback about communication. You can go into into the fray without this tool in your toolbox. But you're going to be less effective than the manager who knows, who is willing to introduce a little bit of a pinch, not a crunch, but a pinch into the relationship and say, okay, uh, can I give you some feedback? You know, can I give some feedback of what happened in the meeting? I need to share some things with you. Would you be willing to hear it? Yeah, I will. Okay. When you do this, here's what happens. When you do that, here's what happens. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. And and, and they're simple. You know, when you add comments to the meeting, meeting, shows me you're prepared. prepared. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Or when, you know, when you come to three meetings in a row and 
you don't have anything to add? You don't say a word during the entire time? I, I, I just worry that you're not on top of your responsibilities. What can you do differently about that? Yeah, good one. Yeah. yeah when you don't respond to Tony's emails after 72 hours, that, that doesn't help the team move progress. Can you, can you go respond now? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave the office and come back, yeah. And when I ask for input and you share that idea while also saying good job to Henry, it impresses me. So thanks. And those are all – I mean, uh, th- those took us 10 seconds each. There are four or five of them in there. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 Let's keep with this theme of, of, about communications and, and talk about one-on-ones because I think there's some things we can do differently at the end of one-on-ones to help get, get us through this. Yeah, uh, the end of one-on-ones are some of the most poorly managed minutes of, of even some effective managers' times. It's amazing how much the last 90 seconds, which is not a trivial percentage of a 30-minute meeting, are squandered away in chit-chat and whatever. And so what we recommend, and I, by the way, I learned this from one of my favorite managers I've ever known, a guy who I think is retired now, but he never ended a one. He owned his ending of the one-on-one. He really... He really focused. He made themes throughout months and quarters to, to drive home key points. And basically what we're recommending here is save two minutes at the end. Because if you can spend those two minutes setting a ground, uh, uh, setting a, a, a space where people are going to communicate more effectively in the future because of what you do, anything you could get about a given project in the last two minutes is not going to be important as improving communication frequency, quality, and quantity going forward out of the one-on-one. And while we're suggesting is you save those two minutes to ask questions, here are some examples. How's it going? Which is exactly how you started, but that's okay. How are the stresses that we're going through affecting you? Here's one of my personal favorites that so many managers wonder, can I ask that? Here for the record, and feel free HR people to disagree with me. Uh, I know your spouse works. And by the way, wouldn't it be nice if you said their spouse's name? Uh, I know your spouse works. How are things going there? Right? Do you need help with anything? What's bugging you most right now? What work are you feeling good about? What projects worry you? Are there things I'm missing that you see? What are you thinking about the next six months? I know the last downturn was hard. How are you feeling about this one? And look. Those are good questions. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and, I bet and look, you come up with like 50 more like right off the top of your head, right? Yeah. I, I, but look, to be fair, you, you say that and yet there's some people go, gosh, I don't know. That sounded so good. I want to write them down. And well, if you have premium content, you can you just use the show notes. But on the other hand, I've been either doing or watching managers do one-on-ones for 20 years. And the good ones ask lots of questions. And sometimes it feels a little bit like you've been scraped around a little bit with a, with a spoon inside your mouth. But the manager doesn't leave without knowing what she needs to know. And look, we can't communicate if our direct isn't talking. We end with questions because questions cause responses. Too many of us feel that we need to be in charge during a crisis. And as we've said before, that means forcefulness. It means energy. Or it means more planning in our office till late at night, harder work. And that reduces communication on top of the fear and reticence our directs are already feeling. And that's just not a good plan. Okay, so you have a... um you have a secret uh, bad idea for us. Yeah. Saving this the, one, end, the, the, the fun for the end. I got in trouble for this. There's a great story. I was 
I was facilitating a senior executive group. We were doing not really strategy, but a quarterly tactical review that was strategic in nature for the whole company. It was a leadership team of a billion-dollar company or so, but it was really more tactical. Where are we? Where do we need to go? How do we need to shift resources around? And so on. And and somebody brought up a comment at the end of a session around the idea of I'm struggling. You know, my, our group hasn't been doing as well. I noticed my guys kind of drifting away. Uh, you know, any anybody have any ideas? And 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 unfortunately, I hadn't facilitated the meeting, and so I hadn't really shut off debate at that point and said we're done. And in the next 15 minutes, the meeting got taken over with a bunch of fairly senior people um, giving this one other executive ideas about what to do. And I got, I got spanked later by the CEO and rightfully so because of my delivery. And of course, the problem was, is that I took, I, I, I took goodwill off the table when they needed me to have a lot of goodwill on the table for the next two days of the session. But what happened was all these executives started essentially doling out variations of the secret bad idea, which I'll share in just a minute. And I finally listened and I was trying to allow it to kind of come to an end, but people kept talking and talking and talking. And I didn't, I didn't facilitate those last five minutes well because they turned into 15. And then we ended up not finishing on time, which I flip and hate. But anyway, I finally looked at everybody. I said, are you nuts? Oh, Why are they paying you what they're paying you? That is the wrongest thing ever. I just created a new word in the dictionary. It's wrongest. And wrongest is that idea. That doesn't work. It never works. Everybody wants to do that, but it doesn't work. It's wrong. It's not just wrong or it's wrong asked. So we, we probably should have started with this to get it out of, but we, I thought it was a funny story. And believe me, if you'd have been there. Uh, the veins of my neck were standing out. And I remember looking over at the CEO when I finished my tirade and he was like, jeez, dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a way to end on an up note. Yeah, folks but, can't but see course, me. I'm just yeah, shaking my head. Going, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Here, I, can, I, but, I but, can see it. I can see it. <laughs> you know, you're totally, you, not only can you see it, you have seen it in front of clients. And yet, and yet I, I do believe we do, we do get some benefit from being willing to stand up and say, no, that's wrong, as opposed to just sort of having private conversations about it. I was right in defending the bad idea, and I certainly didn't want this executive to leave with any idea that what they were suggesting was good. And I talked to him later, and he did what I suggested, and and things got better, and there were other reasons it got better, not just my suggestions. Please don't get me wrong there. But it was the way in which I was so vehement about it, just because I've heard it so many times, and it never works, and nobody ever pays attention to the results, and nobody ever measures it and says, oh, yeah, okay, we spent some money, but that didn't uh, work. Okay, and okay. This, okay. So, put, so yeah. put us out of our misery here. What is the bad <laughs> idea, please? Yeah. Yeah, so so they throw a party. They take everybody to lunch. They offer to buy the first round at the bar that many of us frequent before heading home uh, at night. Uh, they offer to host lunch in the conference room to get everybody together and talking. Okay, and and it's a way to change. I'm changing the venue. We're we're going to a more relaxed and casual atmosphere. People will open up. Wrong, wronger, wrongest, wrongest ever of all timest. Okay, the venue change doesn't address the problem. It actually makes it worse by saying to everybody, hey, I know you won't talk at work, so maybe you'll talk over there. Dumb. <laughs> People aren't that stupid. You're not that smart. They're not that dumb. And even if they do, do you think that means they will talk more at work tomorrow? No. They will talk more at the bar, right? And they will probably complain about bosses. And let me just go one step further. Uh, we certainly are uh, in, in favor of uh, um, alcoholic beverage or adult beverages at certain times, but alcohol is dumb, as a as a facilitation device to get good communication going. It's great to get communication going in most cases. It's not great to get good communication going. And it doesn't last. 
okay? Tense people drinking alcohol don't suddenly open up about projects and come up with better ideas, at oh, least in oh, most cultures. But they open up about projects, about. believe me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe well, not in a productive way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they open up about things. certain people's projects and the people that are involved. In it. Yeah, Look, exactly. really what we want here, don't be shy about this. We don't want people to feel better. We want more communication about work. We want better ideas about work, and we want faster results and faster turnaround, and that means effective and efficient communications. And going off-site and including alcohol or buying somebody a meal doesn't increase the chances of effective communication that's related to work. And it not only doesn't increase it, it doesn't stay increased even if there's a short-term feel-good sense. Everybody puts their arms around each other and calls a few calves before everybody goes home. Uh, off-site is not the answer. Events, effects, attenuate. That's, I wrote that down the other day. I thought oh, I got to Twitter that. Events, effects, Attenuate. That's why we're not a big fan of uh, of events here. We're certainly not effective. Uh, you know, we're not in favor of offsites. Generally speaking, although if you have to go offsite, there are times when it works. Ask your team to communicate more at work about work because that's why we're here. That's why they're there to work with you. And the more you ask them what you want, the more you ask from them the things you want from them, the more likely they are to get it. The more they're likely they are to give it to you. That's it. Good. Good. Okay, so, okay, so quick, quick wrap-up. Wrap Produce plans, plans earlier, earlier, share more share drafts, drafts, expect the input to take longer. longer. And right. we shared, you know, three kind of steps toward developing, developing that plan. plan. Decrease our communications during meeting. Decrease our communications during meetings. Ask more questions. Get more input from your folks. Ask more directly. Directly. Use names. Provide feedback on communications. In one-on-ones with more questions to facilitate communications. And, and avoid, avoid the secret, secret bad, bad idea. idea. No parties. There you go. Just don't do it the way I did it. <laughs> Good. All right, my, All right friend. my friend. Thanks, partner. Uh, we'll, see uh, it, so we'll see you at tomorrow's party. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. That's it for this week. At a recent conference, Mark and I discovered that there are at least some listeners who are not aware that we do a second podcast called Career Tools that is focused exclusively on your career. We had such a backlog of casts that we wanted to record that we thought we'd separate the management-related podcasts from those that are more focused on your career, whether you're a manager or individual contributor. And so we started doing career tools. So go to iTunes, search on career tools, and you'll see our second podcast. So if you're not a subscriber, go subscribe now. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. So long.